Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. So after another nail-biter at Turf Moor at the weekend, Manchester City are back on top of the Premier League and are three games and three victories away from an unprecedented domestic treble or a quadruple, if you want to include the Community Shield, which I do. And to discuss that and much more, including PFA and Football Writers Players of the Year, Sergio's 20 goals for the fifth consecutive season, I've got three guests. Recently appointed Vice Chair of Canal Street Blues, it's welcome back to Sarah Messenger. Hello, Nigel. Or is it Vice Chair, do we call you now? You can call me that if you want. So how did that come about? I know you've been involved with the Canal Street Blues for a while, you, you're now sort of a head honcho, you're kind of I, I, in charge, are you running things, are you know? <laughs> I think it was a, a, a conversation with the, the fantastic John Brown, who we all know is standing down now as chair of Canal Street Blues after the great work he's done. Uh, nobbled me after the Fulham game. Didn't realise what I'd said yes to, and then I read the minutes. <laughs> well, congratulations to all your mates here and all our listeners. Uh, I know that John and, and all at Canal Street Blues are big fans of the show, so we, we wish you well in your endeavours. Thank you. Good luck with that. Uh, and... Uh, a lifelong pal and former teammate of mine when we were both playing for the mighty South Manchester who played in Sky Blue and White, of course, Indeed, at, at yeah. Huff End. Uh, welcome back to Rob Bear and CTID. Hi, Nigel. I need to point out you are much younger than me, but uh, also more talented. And I still am yeah. younger than you. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, he's been threatening to come on this show for months and months <laughs> and months, making his debut. Uh, a very, very warm welcome to the one and only John Stapleton. Thank you very much indeed. Good to be here. I'm a bit nervous. I mean, it's my first time. I don't know what to expect, but I'm sure it'll be fun. And listen, we've been, we keep bumping into each other at railway stations mm, and, and sure. football stadia around the world. Sure. Uh, and we've managed to connect. So what we do with people on their debut, John, is kind of a, a little bit of sort of history, sort of first city Explain game. Explain yourself, first, yeah. Yeah, kind of what, what yeah. brings you here? No, what so brings me here is that uh, my grandfather's at the very first game Man City ever played at Main Road. In fact, he used to watch them at Hydro before they wow. even went to Main Road. He was there in 1923. Uh, my father took me when I was seven, which was in 1953. Uh, I have now brainwashed our son, who's never lived 
Manchester in his life, but he's more obsessive, if that's imaginable, than I am about Manchester City. So, yeah, that's my, that's my sort of background. And as you know, I go, although I live in London, I go virtually every home game and as many away games as I possibly can, most games, most seasons. Fantastic. Well, it's a great pleasure to have here, you here. And the Man City Show is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Download the Ladbrokes app and play 1-2-3, a free game where you have to predict three correct Premier League scores, get all three right and win £100, get just one right and get a free £2 bet and two correct for a free £5 bet. Terms and conditions, of course, apply. Uh, before we start talking about sort of games, can I just start m- with a more generic question, which is lots of talk about this is a fantastic season, the, the best Premier League season for ages. It's seesawing, Liverpool, City, City, Liverpool. But I think that is actually disguising the fact that, that Rob, are we not potentially seeing here that one of, if not one of, potentially the greatest side ever to play in, in the top flight in English football under Pep's brilliant leadership? We know that Huddersfield won the Premier League three times in a row a long time ago. And it's thrilling that... We now have a chance of doing it twice in a row. And I don't want to talk about uh, it as if it's going to happen because they're two very big games to go. And one of the great things about what Guardiola's done is instilled a resilience into the team that uh, previously wasn't there. So we can be optimistic. But I'd, I feel it's tempting fate at this stage, two games to go, to talk about one of the greatest teams that ever played. They're fabulous. They're wonderful to watch. It's a privilege. I'll never forget it, given some of the rubbish that I've seen over the years. Uh, but let's wait. I mean, it's 50, it was 50 years ago this week, of course, John. I, I was at that 1969 FA Cup final. Yep. I kind of assume you were as well. I don't know. Yep, I was. April the 26th, 1969. Uh, my first trip to Wembley, it was the most amazing that occasion. That red and black striped kit is still my favourite kit. Um, and that was a great side. It, th- this side's better than that side, isn't it? Uh, and potentially that, one of the greatest. That was a great side. I've got the shirt still in my wardrobe, actually. Not, I wasn't in the team, but when <laughs> I bought for a vast amount of money to charity auction. You so pretended you were. I haven't did. You in I'm your right. bedroom. I yeah. pretend every week. <laughs> still dream. Still dream. Uh, it's a fantastic team. There's no doubt about it. And I actually think this is a fantastically exciting season. I mean, it, I was behind the sofa over the weekend, you know, daring not to look at the television. I didn't go to Burnley, but daring not to look at the television. And and they are a fantastic team of footballers, and Pep's absolutely right. That the way they've come back from that defeat against Tottenham and and just won the the next two three games is outstanding. Really, the resilience, as Rob said, is is absolutely outstanding. Other lesser men would have would have fallen and would have wavered, you know. But they've they've done tremendously well, and they're talented. And the depth of the squad is also yeah. so impressive. I mean, you know, I worry sometimes if one of my favourite players isn't included in the squad for all sorts of reasons. But there's always always someone standing by to come and do just as good a job or so it seems to me so yeah I mean fantastic team arguably the best we've ever had I, I think I think you're probably right. I think it is probably the best and I don't want to insult my mates Mr Bell and Mr Summerby etc uh, <laughs> etc et but you know uh, this is a fantastic team and, and do we have to guess who your favourite player is not in the squad then or is that a quiz well, I'm question a fan, for later see, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big big fan of Sane and mm-hmm. I've never I haven't quite understood over the last few weeks why Sane has uh, not been included on a number of occasions and I suspect maybe there's Something in the background I don't know about. Uh, having said all that, his performance against Burnley, which we'll come to in a minute, left quite a bit to be desired, yeah. and he was taken off, as we know. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm always a bit disappointed because he just brings a bit of magic. Mm. You, you know, just he's a game changer. He's the sort of guy you jump off your seat for. You know, I, yeah. I, I think he's a very talented lad. 
Uh, Sarah, I've left you to the end purely because you're significantly younger than these two gentlemen, and indeed mm -hmm. myself, um, only in just in your 20s. So you haven't had the benefit of seeing the rubbish that we've seen and, and some of the greatness we've seen as well. Your, your thoughts on this current squad and this current team? I did see some of the rubbish, actually, because it was quite rubbish in the 80s and 90s. And I, I am just about uh, old enough to have seen um, the end of Colin Bell and the sort of team of the mid-70s. I mean, you know, what can I add particularly to what Rob and John have said, other than I think the point of your question was, are City going to get the credit they deserve if they win the title this season because of all this nonsense about, oh, it'll be more special if Liverpool win it and, you know, that they've waited 29 years, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, it'll certainly be special to us if City win it. And I suspect that in the cold light of day people will acknowledge this as one of, if not the greatest, certainly Premier League team. I mean, it's hard to debate whether they're greatest top flight team ever because it's difficult to make those assessments against teams playing 30, 40, 50 years ago. But I definitely think we're the best Premier League side ever. And looking at the Premier League side, the, the team of the season that's been... Uh, announced. Obviously, there's, there's, I laugh when I say it, there's, there's a Stratford player in there, and I can't quite understand how the LE got in there. I think, I think it must be a joke. I think it must be, I checked the date, I think it was April, but not quite April the 1st, but ridiculous that, that Pogba got a place. But the rest, does that seem like a reasonable mix to you? I mean, just, just to remind you, we've got six City players, four Liverpool players, and, and the joke that is Pogba as well. Um, so Edison, Laporte, Fernandinho, Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling and Sergio Aguero being the City players and the remainders being some reasonable talent from, from Merseyside. Does that feel about right to you or, or, or not? I think, I think, I mean, I was pleased that the City players that got in there were in and I think they deserved to be. I think if you were doing, if you were voting now and basing it on the last two or three months, you'd have Kyle Walker as right back. But at the time they were voting, it wasn't long after he had that horrendous sort of six-week spell. Actually, mainly, I was pleased that Edison got in over Allison because he's a much better keeper. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was fair enough. About right, John. When you look at that lineup, any changes? Anything? You yeah, would, well, uh... but I think that I think that the time of the voting is, is important. You mentioned it. And I think it's a bit silly, really, that they voted as early as they do because I think had they voted later, Raheem Sterling would have would have clearly been the winner in my view, and he's won the Writers Award. But he, he would have been Football Player of the Year uh, uh, as well. Um, no, I think it's absolutely right. I mean, the, the contributions of the people you mentioned are, are outstanding. Bernardo, especially. I mean, that, that guy. Don't forget last season. Hmm. Wasn't He's, struggling to get in the side. Well, I think he struggled. I think you well, could say he, he, he did, did struggle a bit. Well, he certainly wasn't. He certainly wasn't the first name on the sheet as sure. he appears to be now, and quite rightly too. Yeah. Uh, staggering about and Laporte. You know, apart from that slight calamity, well, not slight, major calamity <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other week uh, when he gave, gifted two goals. Uh, apart from that, a superb defender, brilliant defender, who can't catch the French team. How, how, how can that guy not be in the French side? I don't know. Maybe there's, again, something else going on I don't understand, but it puzzles me, to put it mildly. No, I think the balance is about right. Pogba, I don't understand. I think you'd have to say that any sane person would choose Hazard in, in, in that team, and it's odd that he's not there. And I agree that Pogba hasn't been consistent enough uh, to, to, to merit a place. I don't think Walker has either. I think he's had a poor season by his standards although he's come back now which is encouraging and uh, I you know I agree with every word and letter you say about Sane and when you go to away grounds people drool at 
the way that he plays because it's thrilling and he showed that against United when he came on. But he hasn't been consistent enough uh, to merit a place in, in that team. Can I, can I just challenge the Sane loving for a minute? I mean, I, I do love Sane and when he's brilliant, he's brilliant. But for me, for a player with his speed and skill, he doesn't take on the opposition half as much as he should. And I know that's partly about how Pep has him playing, but there's too many times that he turns back. And I think the exciting moments he's capable of producing, we don't get enough of them. But then he doesn't get that many chances either, does he? No, and but, you know, I, I guess I just, I just can't love him in the way I love Bernardo Silva at the moment. And I think Bernardo Silva will win the Fans Player of the Year, actually, over Sterling. Right. I think you're probably I right. I think he yeah. will. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I don't want to. How dare I even have a negative word to say about Leroy? I love him, but I don't. I, I think there's a lot more we could get from Leroy. But, but picking up on what John said, is it not more to do with it, less about how he plays the game? Is it not more about his attitude and his head does go down? And we saw that certainly at the weekend, particularly yeah. when maybe the pass was a bit too long for him, and you kind of saw other players there applauding, you know, good effort and encouraging. You, you didn't really see that with Leroy. Well, he had a row with Zinchenko, didn't he? He did. He shouted at Zinchenko. And it, again, it's another player, so it's changed up slightly. Uh, I, I think it's come on leaps and bounds. He didn't have his greatest game against Burnley, that's for sure. But, you know, don't forget, this guy's a midfield player. He's not a left-back. Uh, he's, he's adopted to that role, and he had a couple of problems i remember at southampton he gave a goal away i think you know uh, i didn't give a goal but he made a mistake yeah. and then he went and created the, 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 what became the winner so it was the ear of the night as far as pep was concerned and quite right so he's come on leaps and bounds but he's a great great asset and i personally would put him in there first time i'd be my first choice for left back uh, this season from here on in i i agree with you that sinchenko has improved dramatically in the last year but yesterday I felt we missed De Bruyne very badly. And when Zinchenko gets the ball, he doesn't do anything out of the ordinary with it. He, he consistently passes, but there's no one that has the magic that De Bruyne has to be able to make the, the, the critical pass. But who would be your choice for left-back? Well, um... <laughs> I mean, if they're all fit. Didn't we pay a lot of money for... We did. Um, <laughs> His name's Mendy, Rob. I think it's so, uh, Benjamin Mendy's the one you think is struggling. He's very good at writing Twitter yes. uh, points, Post. but hasn't really done it on the field. And that is... Uh, that's a sadness, really. Huge talent, wonderful uh, to watch going forward. And he hasn't done well, it for two years great, now. Great to watch going forward, but I remember the Tottenham game at, at Wembley this season when he was a positive liability uh, as a defender uh, and everyone has a bad day, but uh, I've never seen... I don't, I don't understand how, how actually Mendy is significantly better th- than Kolarov, frankly, because Kolarov was great going forward. But he was a rotten, not rotten, that's not unfair. He wasn't a great defender. Is there any difference? So, so answer John's question then, Rob, if you would. Um, you've, got to, you've got to pick now your, your left back. Uh, if, if they're all fit, who do you pick? Well, I'd have Glyn Pardo playing. <laughs> <laughs> and Alan Hoke's in well, yeah, I think it, it's fair enough to say that Zinchenko is there on merit, and uh, I'm happy with that. Yeah. But he's not a left back. We need to buy a left back. If they're not going to play Mendy, they've got to buy a left back. Because actually, I wonder what we're wasting of Zinchenko's talents by not having him as a midfield Possibly. option. Yeah. So, personally, I would buy a left-back. 
Can, can we just, having done the team of the year, can we just touch on kind of player of the year as well? So two awards, as we know, there's the player's player of the year, and Van Dyke, of course, has won that. Uh, young player of the year was Raheem Sterling, but the football writers um, picked Raheem Sterling. So uh, Van Dyke a worthy, winning, uh, worthy winner, Sarah, or...? Did you, did you, are you puzzled at that decision? I'm not puzzled at it. And he's, he's, a, he's a good player and he's had a good season. I mean, I suppose my only... If, I were, going to, if we were going to be bitter about these things, which, of course, we're not... No, go on. The only no, thing I would bitter. say is that I think I would have improved Liverpool's defence. So, yeah, you know, you, you put Van Dijk <laughs> in there and you put a decent keeper behind him. Uh, they could have bought almost any centre-half with a decent keeper... And they would have improved Liverpool's defence. So some of the eulogising over him, I think, goes a bit over the top. But I, I, I wouldn't say how you know it's not it's not as mystifying as Pogba getting in the team of the year. Sure, Van Dijk is a decent player, isn't he? Yeah, a oh, very good player, and I think he has made a difference to Liverpool. There's no doubt about it. You might have done just as well. So you know, <laughs> you know, who knows? Uh, <laughs> who am I to judge? Uh, but no, I think he's done very, very well. Uh, and I, as I said earlier, I think had the voting been at a different stage in, in the year, had it been later, he wouldn't necessarily have won. But you know, he, he won. So and and and, and Raz Ra, Ra, Rahim got the other awards too. So fair enough. Can we just talk, touch on the uh, also in terms of the women as well? Because it's important we don't forget them, which is just a, a, a growing sport. And City, of course, absolutely brilliant. The way we've invested, the way the, the, that they're integrated in this fantastic club of ours, and, and it is a fantastic story. Uh, so we've got Georgia Stanway, who won the PFA Young Player of the Year. Steph, of course, won a Merit Award. And Nikita Paris won the Football Writer. So it's a real clean sweep here. And this is fantastic for our club, isn't it, Rob? It I know is. you're not a, fan, a, a massive follower of the women's game, but... You must be pleased to see those awards coming the women's way. It's thrilling, and compare it to uh, the other half of Manchester, who are ten years behind in recognising the importance of uh, diversifying the gender base of the game. It's absolutely wonderful to see, and uh, thrilling that they got recognised in this way. Let's talk about some games then. So, so John, let's if we can remember that far back, that <laughs> sort of rather nervy, tense, edgy first half. Um, uh, that took place just outside of Manchester um, the other night. Yeah. Um, your, your your thoughts um, at, at the Swamp? Well, it was one of those where I was, I was you know, fingers crossed, hoping for the best, uh, and very, very worried, really. Um, and again, just as it was with Burnley, or to, to some degree, like as it was with Burnley, you know, a disappointing first half, um, not the sort of flowing, fluid football we've come to expect, and maybe we expect too much, I have to say. It's worth thinking about and talking about. I think the expectation levels are so high these days, anything less than brilliance, and we think, oh, well, God, what's gone wrong? Um, but, you know, I, it was it was disappointing. Then the second half, well, you know, they didn't lay a glove on us, did they, but, but basically? Uh, and and uh, I thought it was an absolutely tremendous performance, given the week we'd had and the fixtures we had. And we were playing football every three days. Uh, and at that level, with that intensity, that takes some doing. And there was, there was no... I mean, from about 15, 20 minutes into that second half, there was no, not much doubt in my mind that we were going to win. And I'm one of those guys, City guys, who's, you know, with 3 nil up with 10 minutes to go, I'm still panicking normally. But, yeah, the, <laughs> I the, don't think you were alone, John. <laughs> yes. uh, that, was, that was very impressive. So what, what happened, Sarah? What, what, what was the change? Because uh, I think we all felt the same, didn't we? That it was pretty nervy and pretty edgy to start with. But then, as John rightly says, sort of ten minutes in, something seemed to click. We just were in complete and total control. And there was only ever going to be one winner, again, at the Swamp. I don't think it was a tactical change in the way that he did a tactical change against Burnley. But 
I mean, I, you know, I don't know, other than obviously a great team talk at half-time, I suspect they thought, right, well, they've thrown the best they've got at us. And actually, they didn't... It's not like United battered us in the first half. It was probably fairly even. It's just that City didn't dominate in the way that everyone expected. I think they thought, thrown it all at us. They've got nowhere. Now let's go and show them why we're the best team, not only in Manchester, but in the world. So I, I don't think it's probably anything more. And, and also, I suspect Pep is just saying to them, because John's right about the intensity and the pressure they're playing under... You know, if you want this league title, title, you can't faff around for 45 minutes. Go and score some goals. I think what's interesting in both those games is City started slowly, which is unusual for the way they've played this season. And I think probably nerves and fatigue have got something to do with that. You have to remember, we've won six out of the last eight games at Old Trafford. But for someone like me, you go to Old Trafford with memories of being humiliated so it was absolutely wonderful to see them hold the line I I don't think it was the end of the first half I think the last 10 minutes of the first half they began to wake up and show uh, the skill and commitment that they've got and I I would say that uh, taking Fernandinho off although he had a very good game was a decisive moment in the game because that I mean, we don't talk enough about Gundogan and his value to the team uh, in so many different positions. Uh, and he, he has been playing magnificently, as he did again against United. Well, we're going to have to. We, with KDB and Fernandinho potentially out, we, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about him, aren't yeah. we? And it, so he hasn't necessarily had... Well, I suppose when you have got players like the two Silvers... Uh, and Kevin De Bruyne sort of operating midfield. It's quite difficult, I suppose, for Gundogan to stake stake a claim for being that world class talent. But you, you rate him highly. I think I think he was Pep's first signing, wasn't he? I think anyway, yeah. as I mentioned, so he clearly saw something in him. But he hasn't quite hit the same heights as those others that we talk about. But but still a, a huge asset for the team. Well, Malcolm Allison used to say, "I've only got two very good players in my team, all the rest are brilliant. And I think that applies <laughs> That applies now. Gundogan cost £25 million. He was an absolute steal. Uh, he's a fabulous player and he hasn't had the opportunities that he would have had if he'd played somewhere else. Mm. And we're now in danger of losing him, which would be... Because he's uh, still not signed, has he, I don't think. Uh, yeah, that's right. That would be a big setback in my They're view. They're getting a bit more confident he will, I think. Really? But, yeah. Good. I guess he's saying to himself, "If I'm not going to play every week, why, why, why stick around here? Yeah. You know, why can't go somewhere else? You know, of similar quality, not as good a city, but a similar quality, uh, and and play every week. I, I suspect that's what, what's behind it. But I, I agree with Rob. I think he's a, he's a great player, and uh, he's he's actually when he when he's studying for Fernandinho, he's never let us down, has he? Not at all. Not at all. Someone else who uh, I'm trying to think back to the game because, of course, we we're all probably got the Burnley game more firmly in our mind. Mm. But thinking back to that game, John that David Silva mm-hmm. has been in for a little bit of criticism. Again, yep. m- massive, massive influence in the team. But it would be fair to say he's not had his best season. Uh, and certainly the last sort of month or so has maybe been slightly off the pace. You can't say that for the, the performance he put in against Stratford. Well, that was he masterclass. Was absolutely fantastic. That was an absolute masterclass from David Silva uh, against uh, United. And he has had not had his best season. Uh, and, you know, but I, I, I'm sure no one listening to this programme would... would Criticise David Silva's contribution to Manchester City. It's been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. He is arguably, I think, and I've 
hesitate to say this because Colin Bell's a mate. Careful, uh, you know, I, He's arguably the best player we've ever signed, in my opinion. We can have a discussion about that sometime. I'm happy to have yeah. it now, briefly, because yeah. well, Colin Bell, for me, I don't think he's quite surpassed Colin Bell. don't think he's scored enough arguably. goals. I, I was hedging my bets. So, so, so let me just put that... So my hypothesis is yes. that Colin Bell, for me, still, and we're, we're talking yeah. like old, old granddads here, but for me... I don't think he's quite trumped Colin Bell okay. yet. Fair w- enough. Would you agree with that? Or would you, you, I, I, to come I back think it's a very it. close run race, put it that way. I mean, I, I remember when, when Silver signed for us and watching the first few games, I thought he's too small, he's too frail. Uh, you know, he, he can't, he's, he's not up to the Premier League sort of pace. He's not up to the Premier League sort of tackling. He's, he's not going to survive. And within no time at all, he, he was running games and he's been running games ever since. And given his age, and also let's not forget the sort of domestic issues that we've had with his with his kid, which must have had it's been awful for him to go through, sure. uh, and a, a very understanding club tolerated not just tolerated all that. I mean, just but said, supported that as well. Supported is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Quite right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he's had a rough old time uh, all, all round. But uh, brilliant football, and you know, great to see him come back the way he did against Manchester United. I, I see Rob here sort of itching to get back in here on the on the Colin, but he'll go. You've got a Glimpardo again or something, will you? Well, George Heslop, indeed, George Heslop, but. <laughs> The, you know, pound for pound, it's got to be Colin Bell. He cost forty-five thousand pounds. Yes. How much did uh, oh, David? Twenty-five, cost? was it? So, something like that. But we are so privileged to recall two such absolutely, as Joe Mercy used to say, scintillating players <laughs> like uh, David. <laughs> David Silva and and the other one, yeah. uh, but don't forget Freddie Hill either. I mean, he, he only cost twelve thousand pounds, and he he could play a bit. You manage to get Freddie Hill in every time you come on this show. It's it's a skill which uh, to, for which you are to be congratulated. Um, so let's talk about. Uh, hang on, uh, hang on. Can I have a view on David Silva? Yes. Uh, if you must, you've got a view well, on everything. We, we need to drag it into the 21st century, don't we? And, yeah, go on then. Give, uh, so give us a young person's I didn't view see, then. I, didn't, I know, sort of voice of the youth here. Um, so I didn't see enough of Colin Bell. I did see him play, but not enough to With a bad have knee. the loving that you three are having. Um, yeah, after Buchan, it was Buchan, wasn't it, who ruined his. Don't go was it? Don't All go right, there. I won't bring up painful memories. Um, but I. I think for the contribution... I mean, I love David Silva. He is my favourite player of this era, um, even though he hasn't had his best season. And I think I would say that for, the, for what he's contributed to the success that City are having, and we did have success when Bell was in the, in the team, but the, the kind of nature of the success, and I know it's a, a lot more factors than just David Silva's performances, but I personally would say I think he's the greatest player we've ever had. I'd okay. like to say that, and, and many would agree with you. And, and you know, it's a difficult one to argue against. And it was our eleventh straight <laughs> victory, which is quite something. As you were mm. saying, John, with the number of games we're playing and so on. Um, so let's just talk about the goals briefly as well. Um, so, kind of the first one was Bernardo Silva, De Gea, kind of near post, uh, at fault again. Probably at fault for both goals, you could probably argue, I think. And again, I think at the weekend, he, he spilled one, didn't he, as well? So it's good to see a Stretford keeper coming in for some stick. Always always enjoy that, and we'll celebrate that and as often as I possibly can. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a bit unfair, Nigel. What? I, I think De, unfair? De Gea is one of the great keepers uh, of the world, and he's going through a horrible time. Good. And Excellent. <laughs> so, so let's celebrate. I agree with you, Rob. Let's celebrate it. Come on, we, Rob. All the pain we have been through with that Scottish drunk in charge 
yeah, doing all the stuff that he's done, winning all those trophies, why can't we celebrate that? That a Stretford keeper's going through a rough time and, you know, they've got a new manager who, who's going through a rough time. Let's celebrate all of that, every single moment of it. Why wouldn't you do that? Because I think we should rise above that kind of disposition and we can celebrate our wonderful team without stooping to conquer. You're such a jack. That's told you. <laughs> it is. He's such a That's why we have him on the show, John. I tend to agree with him, actually, you see. I mean, I, I felt for, for David, uh, De Gea, I can't even say his name properly. I felt for him. Uh, I mean, that yesterday's game, um, the shot was, it was a hell of a shot. Which he parried. And he should have saved that. He's the right, okay. Rob's telling him he's the world's greatest goalkeeper. Oh, okay. Edison, yeah. Allison oh, would okay. save it. On another day, he probably would have done it. I felt a bit sorry for him, actually. And I, I, I don't share your joy at his discomfort, put it that way. I think uh, there's a difference, though, between feeling for De Gea as a person and the fact that he's having a difficult time in his car. Although 200 grand a week would more yeah. than soothe my nerves if I was <laughs> yeah. having a difficult time at work. But anyway. Um, but. <laughs> But there's a difference between not kind of reveling in the misery of an individual person, but I do think we're absolutely allowed to revel in the misery it's inflicting on United fans after the years of misery they've inflicted on us. So yeah, yeah. if oh, yeah. they're upset that they've got a bit of a dodgy keeper at the moment, tough. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad too. <laughs> I'll buy that. That's, yeah. that's can, we, can we agree on that <laughs> that's then? Fair that's yeah? fair enough. I think, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick break. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome back. Let's look back then at the Burnley game as well. Uh, I think going into that game, we had scored 157 goals more than any other top-flight club has ever managed. That, that kind of passed me by as well, I think. That's been kept quiet. We're, we're not celebrating this enough, Sarah, in my view. All these milestones, all these amazing things this team is achieving. 157 goals. And after the Burnley games, 158 now, of course. Well, I light a candle at my shrine every night as we break yet another record. Good. So I'm, I'm celebrating them. I think, well, I mean... To some extent, it'll be at the end of the season when everything will be looked at in the round and the totality, if we win a, a treble, and I agree we shouldn't be complacent. Um, and I was going to say before, actually, and it links to the Burnley game, the one thing I think will be interesting is if we go behind in one of these games. We've not had to deal yet with going behind. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen, but if it does, that really will be a test of character now. Um, so I... I, I you know, we, we, City fans will certainly celebrate every record we've got. And I suspect, with the exception of one or two journalists who never give us credit, I noticed uh, our good friend Alison Rudd in The Times the other day was talking about, instead of the noisy quadruple, what about the quiet double, uh, you know, if Liverpool... <laughs> I, I, I need to read it again to sort of get the point, get, get an understanding of what she means about Liverpool being quiet about their season. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, what can I say? Fantastic. All right. Uh, in, in terms of the Burnley game then, uh, John, uh, technology played its part. Yes. Ironically, uh, twi- twi- twice, just... I suppose you could argue, Good. because there are those who might argue that if, if it was next season VAR, it looked like a pretty blatant penalty when you saw yep. it slowed down from four different angles. And, the handball, and so on. Yeah, the handball, yeah, the, yeah. the handball, which kind of seemed to move his arm towards it. Yeah. And then the... Uh, well, he admitted it after the game. 
Yeah, sure. He admitted it was he handball. It, and it was. It, it yeah. was. It's all part of the game. Yeah. Are, you, are you a VAR fan? Are you, are you I'm a, conflicted about VAR. Oh, good. I am really conflicted about it. Uh, I, in theory, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Then, then I watched the game against Tottenham and I, I began to have my doubts. Uh, but in fairness, I, even that was right. It, it might have been aware I was toenail, but it was offside. And that, that, that. On the other hand, their handball, allegedly, was, for me, certainly from the third angle, handball on... You know, and another day would have that would have been a, wouldn't have been a goal. So I'm not sure about VAR, although it's uh, coming in. Oh, I know it's I know it's coming in, and you know it worked to our advantage. Yes, well, it didn't work to our advantage. That's a different system, isn't it? But technology worked to our advantage yeah. uh, against Burnley, um, and and thank God it did because that was not. If we're talking about the game. That was not our finest hour. Um, I thought the first half in particular, we were sloppy. The, some of the passing was sloppy. We looked, we lacked energy. The tempo was very low. And I, I was sort of hiding, again hiding behind the sofa, you know. But um, second half, it, he obviously said something to them at half time that changed things dramatically, and we came out looking like a different team. Although, I, I, again, I'm a bit more charitable than some around this table. I'd say hats off to Burnley because they defended very well. And they're a big, big yeah. strong physical side, and they defended strong... in numbers of two banks yeah. of four. It's not easy, is it? And, you know, what, what a team. Like... I mean, Sean Dash has, you know, comparatively put that team together for peanuts, you know, compared yeah. to our expenditure. And he's a brilliant manager, and and they, they're you know, resolute sort of defiant team, and they're, you know, they're tough old nut to crack. Because everyone said, I don't want to get complacent and saying having and say having cracked that one, we're okay because we're not. But no. it was a, it was a step in the right direction, and a great you know another indication of what we're saying earlier. This is this is a great team because they can sort of slug out those results mm-hmm. where in the past we'd have our heads would have gone down and would have caved in. I think you owe us an explanation, Nigel, about because you're constantly rubbishing VAR. But what about goal line technology? I've been very clear. Well, I've been asked the question. I'm I'm looking forward to this. I've been very. Without goal line technology, City would not have won. No, of course not. Right. Let me be very clear, Rob. Uh, Thank you for giving me the opportunity. If you're if you're in any doubt, goal line technology is factual. Is the ball in and out of play? Number one. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Secondly, it is instant. Ghost, the referees watch instantly. So for those two reasons, I've always been in favour of that. I think of goal line technology. In fact, I think it should be extended to goal kicks, throw-ins and corners. Because if it can do it on the goal line, it should do it on every part of the ground. So goal line technology, very happy. Let's move on to VAR again. We've got a situation where a handball or a free kick or a foul is still down to in the referee's opinion. And that's the problem with it. And we have a situation now where goal line technology is going to... Uh, sorry, VAR is going to come in next season. And we're still going to have a situation where there will be debates in pubs, on podcasts, in TV studios, because Pundit A says it was a foul and Pundit B says, no, it wasn't a foul. But it's and still, it will not resolve it. But it's still... It's still identifies for the referee things that was it not were it not there he wouldn't have known about so it's a step in the right direction surely i'm not sure if it is i actually think it changes the game the dynamic of the game to have a situation john where i'm gonna to have to sit in my chair at the etihad stadium let's take the spurs game as an example in the in the champions league raheem sterling's goal in inverted commas and i'm gonna to have to stay seated until var has told me whether it's a goal is is just a nonsense and would you be happy if there's some more information on screen I'm not sure if I would. I think we should stop it now. I think we should extend goal line technology, as I've described, and we should bin VAR and go back to it. It's the referee's decision, and it's the referee's opinion that will decide it. 
So I'm, you know, I'm sticking my neck out here. I've been consistent, and Rob will confirm. From the very moment it was muted, I'm not a fan. I think people compare it to cricket and to rugby. Cricket and rugby are completely different games. A bowler bowls his well, the ball. The principle is the same. But, but, they're, but, they're, but John, the ball is bowled in cricket, and once that ball, the ball is dead. The bowler goes back to his mark. The batsman takes his guard again. The fielders go back to their fielding. But you can't compare the two. It's totally... It changes our game. Sarah... <laughs> Help us out. Oh, no, here. I don't want to interrupt your role that you're on. Um, so, I am a fan of VAR. I know you're not. And, and, and I, it's one of these where there's not, a, it's not, there's not a right and wrong answer. You know, you can hear very plausible reasons why VAR is, has got problems associated with it. Um, I guess I'm a fan because uh, I think the pace of football now is such that it's quite difficult for referees to keep up with the game or to to see some of the things that you might want them to see. Um, and I don't want to win things or indeed lose things because of some terrible mistake, which brings me to my main point, which is it's always meant to be about clear and obvious errors, isn't it? Yep. If you look at the two Spurs decisions, actually, I don't think it was a clear and obvious error that they gave the goal, even though it hit Laurenti's hand. And I don't think it was a clear and obvious error that Sergio Aguero wasn't flagged offside for the Sterling goal. So if they stuck strictly to clear and obvious error, Laurenti's goal would have stood and Sterling's goal would have stood. And if it gets... so, But as fans, we then have to accept that occasionally a goal will be given that we now know was offside. But in a way, that's what happens now. You've got TV replays of every single thing that happens, and we have to live with the fact Liverpool have had about eight offside goals this season. Um, so I, I, I personally think it's a good thing, as long as they understand what clear and obvious really means. I'll leave you with the last word, well, Rob, because I'm keen to get on to proper football yeah, but, rather than this nonsense. Can we can I just <laughs> say that one of the great things about the win against Burnley was that we didn't concede a goal. Yeah. And that in the end, they played Guardiola, the great attacking genius, played four centre-backs uh, in the last ten minutes of the game. And said lump it into the corner, didn't Stones, <laughs> Otamendi, Company and Laporte all played at the same time. And I think that is a change and a maturing of Guardiola's approach, which makes City a better team than they were when he first came. We've talked about the great David Silva, the great Colin Bell, Freddie Hills had a mention because you're on the show. We haven't talked very much. I mentioned at the top of the show about Sergio Aguero, who's only the second player ever to score 20 goals in five consecutive seasons. Alan Shearer only did four seasons. And, of course, as we know, Thierry Henry is the only other person to have done that. Just a few words and reflections on the legend, on the brilliant, the genius that is Sergio Aguero. He's so modest. I mean, the way that he, he took the uh, praise for the goal yesterday, he, you know, he, he was so modest about it. And those people, including... Uh, the centre-forward of Liverpool saying that he's a flash in the pan. I mean, that's just silly and nonsense. Aguero is a very great player who will go down in in the history of British football as one of the greatest uh, international players to grace the Premier League. And it's thrilling to see how he's changed since Pep came into a much more aggressive uh, player who's interested in things that, that go on off the ball, and he showed that against United in a wonderful way. 
John, that is one of the things that people do talk about. He couldn't possibly improve, could he, they said. And Pep came in, and there was that period where we weren't sure, had they fallen out? Is he a mm. Pep type of player? Sure. He's proved everybody wrong, hasn't he? Uh, well, whatever Pep said, whatever was wrong, whatever Pep said to him, certainly you know, is no longer the... I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong anymore. And whatever Pep said certainly obviously worked. I mean, he is just outstanding. I mean, I, I go back to Don Revy. I go back to Bobby Johnson era, you know. Uh, I can think of no one who come, came any, in that role who came anywhere near, comes anywhere near uh, Sergio Aguero. And the way, I mean, just the fear, sheer physical strength, he dug out that goal again, against Burnley uh, yesterday. It was, it was amazing. It's 150% effort from him. I mean, you can see his frustration also when he's pulled off having, been scored, having scored two goals. He doesn't like going off. I think he likes the applause when he goes off. Actually. But I, don't, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think he likes being pulled off when he's got two and he's got a hat-trick in his sight. Superb player. When we're recording this podcast in 30 years and you're sitting there saying, do you remember the time when we were really good back in the noughties and the, uh, you know, the teens of the 2000s? Um, Sergio Aguero, David Silva and Vincent Company will be the three names that we most associate with all of this. And he's, to me, he's up there with those two. Whether, you know, and different City fans will have different views about which of those three is their favourite. And that's not to be disrespectful to De Bruyne, Fernandinho and lots of others. They may, add to, they may join the list, but they've been there since you know, 2010, 2011. And those three are still playing and contributing in a, in a really meaningful way. They're not just coming on for 10-minute cameos. They're, they're still major parts of what we're doing. So let's look forward... I can't add anything to that, Sarah, that's brilliant. Uh, let's look forward then to the Leicester game, which, of course, have been moved to Bank Holiday Monday, which is handy for any out-of-town City fans, of <laughs> course, to, to, to get back. Um, perfect. Uh, so we've got Leicester at home and Brighton away. So we are going to be back uh, before the Brighton game, but let's just sort of think about those two games. Um, we know what we're going to do. We simply win those two, and, and it's still in our hands. Uh, and you quite rightly sort of calm me down at the start of the show by we can't count our chickens. But your your thoughts just on those two games, what we need to do, how are we going to win those two? Bearing in mind, there are a number of injuries creeping, and I mentioned the two key ones in Fernandinho and Kevin De Bruyne, of course. They're not, they're not insignificant injuries. Um, so your thoughts then, sir, about those, those two fixtures? I suspect if we were having this conversation halfway through the season and they were the next two games, I mean, allowing for John's absolutely spot-on point about the fact we're all nervous Rexes City fans, so we never assume we're going to win any game until we're 8-0 up and there's two minutes to go. Um, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't be sitting here really worried that we were going to drop points in the next two games. But because of the significance of them, um, I guess, I guess the reality is... When we were looking two or three weeks ago, when we had Palace, Spurs, United and um, uh, Burnley in a row, those four, we thought, get through those four and we'll be all right. And now we've got through them. I'm now imagining Leicester playing like, uh, you know... They did all right against Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. You know, Brendan Rodgers, he might want to win it. You know, all these sort of ridiculous scenarios that go through your head. Brighton will part the boss and it'll be 75 minutes and we'll be, it'll be nil-nil and Liverpool will be 3-nil up against Wolves and all these. The bottom line is we should beat both teams and I think we will. 
Yeah, no. I watched the Leicester Arsenal game, and Leicester took Arsenal to bits. They did. No question about it. I mean, they, Arsenal were hopeless against against Leicester. And I saw a tweet uh, the other day saying we better be careful about Leicester because Brendan Rodgers hasn't forgotten the Gerrard slip, uh, and he'll be, wa- he'll be wanting revenge for that, etc., etc. Um, I agree with your analysis. I think that, and I, I hope to God I don't regret, I don't regret this statement. <laughs> I, I agree with your analysis. We are, we are perfectly capable of beating both of those teams, now, even with Brendan Rodgers at, uh, at Leicester. I also watched the Brighton game. I can't remember who they played yet the other day, but they were, Brighton were wretched. They were awful. I mean, just terrible, right? Um, and they eventually drew one all. Who was it they were playing? I can't remember. Anyway. Um, so we should beat both of those teams. And, you know, if we can go to uh, the Swamp and win uh, as effectively and, and as easily as we did, we, sh- we shouldn't have any problem with those two teams, although Leicester did cause an upset they did. Uh, last year. Um, so I'm always cautious, I'm always hesitant, but I, I think we can do it. I think we can. And don't forget, Liverpool are away at Newcastle, mm. uh, which is not an easy fixture for anybody. And Wolves are perfectly capable of causing an upset for anyone, as we found out to our cost. We did. Uh, and United found out to their cost. So here I am, hedging my bets again. <laughs> but basically, I think we can do it. You'd have to be heartened by the fact that Liverpool have to play at Newcastle and they're still in the Champions League, which will concentrate their minds. And City, for the first time that I can remember this season, have two days off. So they get a chance to recharge the batteries and go on an assault course against Leicester. But, as you say, uh, Leicester are in very good form. And Vardy traditionally scores against City. And we lost against them earlier this season. So there's no complacency. So would you rely on Vince again or would you bring in Stones this time when we're playing Leicester City? I thought Vince... I mean, I think Vince's greatest contribution is... And I'm just guessing this. He appears to me to marshal the team and Mm. and run the team in a way that... He's a leader. Others Exactly. Others don't. And he's a bit short on pace I mean that Rashford called him out a couple of times didn't he in the, in the game against United but having said that he's such a powerful force back there and such an influence on the others anyway what, that's a long winded question that's a, it's a very good question I love John Stones he's a class footballer but in recent weeks he's yeah, he's been off his game and he makes mistakes particularly early in in the game so there's not much to choose between him and company. And I'd probably stick with company, given that he's not playing for a week. So he's got, he's got time to recover. And as you say, he's a great moral leader of the team, which Stones isn't yet, but will become. I think Stones has got some personal issues at the moment. So if they get sorted out, hopefully he'll be back to the player. Because you know, the, the vision was always Stones and Laporte as the centre-back pairing. Yeah. I think I would play company, actually. I mean, I'm slightly nervous about him doing another impression of, uh, you know, a a diving swan as he pulls down Vardy in the second minute, like he did at Leicester, uh, and got away with it. So there's a slight nervousness that pace might cause him to do something. He got away with it at Old Trafford, he got away with it against Leicester, didn't he, as well? But um, for his leadership qualities, I agree with you. I think I probably would play him with Laporte. Could we just say, Nigel, how disgraceful it is to have moved the game in the way that uh, television companies have imposed their power? 
So good people have spent hundreds of pounds investing in transport and, and tickets and they can't go to the game uh, for the satisfaction of uh, television. I completely agree. I completely mm -hmm. agree. And I, I've never understood, you know, you probably know better than me, it may, may sound daft coming from me, I'm not entirely sure who makes this decision entirely. Is it the television companies and, and the Premier League or is it is it one or all that? But it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, that was a dreadful decision because it was changed once. Everyone made their plans, it was changed again. And I just, I'm just left with the impression that whoever is in, in, involved in these decisions really couldn't give a monkey's about the fans, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember a couple of seasons, a few seasons back, we were in the Premier League. Our first home game was Swansea on a Monday, uh, City versus Swansea on a Monday night. What chances people from Swansea have? I mean, they did turn up, but, going, but what, what are the implications of that for people who live in Swansea, going to Manchester on a Monday night? They do it time and time again. It's cynical and it's, it's uncaring for the people who pay, who, who pay the money. I, I'm, I'm again playing a role as I did earlier on, and I'll, I'll play the roles I'm expected to do sitting in this chair. If it wasn't for the money, you, you all know the amount of money that has come into football because of television and because of the Premier League and has transformed it into the global game that it is yeah. with a worldwide audience means that we can enjoy seeing the best players in the world. That 1969 team we talked about, of course, earlier, as we know, 1-11, all English I think it's not quite the last time it has been all English winning. So it's not like that anymore. We attract worldwide audiences, worldwide players. It's now a global game. And, and television has got to play its part, one could argue. Yeah, yeah, one can argue. But also, that one has to bear in mind the people who actually go to who pay good money to go and... I mean, Wembley. Uh, don't start me on Wembley, mm -hmm. you know. What Wembley, about Wembley, John? Wembley, What's your view? <laughs> Give us your view on Wembley, Wembley John. Wembley is the, the rip-off capital of football. You know, and I, I, I have no hesitation in saying that. You go to Wembley, as you do, we all do, you know, 30 quid to park your car, four quid for a, a packet of chips, £8.50 for a pint and a, and a pie, and God knows how... The ticket price is up to 150 quid for the, for the cup final. They go up and up and up all the time. We are paying for the mistakes they made in building that stadium it's delayed and cost millions billions more than than it should have done uh, and kickoff time five o'clock mm. you know great for you, if you live in Watford you know two two train stops up the line but a nightmare if you live in Manchester potentially at least and if you do it time and time again they couldn't care less and I talked to someone who was high up in the FA at one stage about this well he said he's a United fan needless to say he said well they'll all come down in coaches anyway of course they don't all come down in coaches you know I mean there are thousands of people inconvenienced and out of pocket in a major way because of that I think it's, again I use the word outrageous the good news. I agree with every word that you said, except that when you say up to 150 pounds, that's not right. I mean, it's uh, tier two at Wembley costs 245 pounds. Yeah. I, I never looked that high, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got your ticket, Rob? I got it today. John, we'll see you at Wembley. I haven't got mine yet. I've ordered it. Yeah, yeah. you I've, will. Well, I've ordered. I've not physically got my hand, but we're so we're ordered and, yeah, ordered uh, and, and we're all there. So confirmed. all four of us will yeah. be at Wembley, despite the ridiculous cost. Yeah. And uh, John Stable's looking for a bag of chips. So if anybody yes. can lend him four quid, <laughs> that'd be very, very helpful. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. Thank Enjoy you to my you. three guests: to Sarah Messenger, to John Stapleton, and to Rob Barron, CTID. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.